Chapter 3 And If I Pave My Streets With Good Times When it comes right down to it, volleyball is like waltzes and like bad things in that it happens in counts of three. One, a receive, a step to the left, forgetting to charge your phone until you go to check the time and realize it's dead. Two, a set, a step backward, locking your keys inside your apartment when you're in a rush to get out the door. Three, a spike, a twirl, a concussion. It's just before sunrise on the second day of a two-day shoot, and Kageyama Miwa is still recovering from only getting three hours of sleep two nights ago, because that's how old she is now. Hear that? She'll say it again if she must. She'll remind the barista. She'll remind the models who flit in and out of her chair. She'll remind the photographers, in case anyone forgot. Coffee doesn't work for her the same way anymore. The melodrama that is being in your 20s is altogether unimpressive to her now, and she can't pull all-nighters like she used to. Miwa is... feels... old, let alone grown up. Understanding this is key to understanding what happens next. Chances to come up for air and check her phone between hair and makeup are few and far between, but Miwa finds, finds just one sometime before the sun comes up. She has the same number of notifications as she did when she didn't have enough time to check her messages before her shift started, which is three, from three separate people. The first is a given. One thirteen. Good morning! After sleeping on it some more, I decided I was still right and that you're overthinking it. And if you need to call in the wee hours of the morning after you've checked in with Tobio again, I'll definitely answer on the first try this time, Milaya. The Venn diagram that encircles the Japanese fashion industry and the international volleyball scene connects in the middle with three people. Kageyama Miwa, when and only when someone actually makes the connection and offers an, oh, that's cool, in a tone that suggests they don't know the difference between a jump serve and a jump floater, and the Haibo siblings. That's two people Miwa knows who can so much as begin to understand her current predicament. Except Miwa only really knows Lev through Elisa, and Elisa, who most certainly understands how to parse apart Miwa's malaises better than Sato-san at the station to her left and Arai-san at the station to her right, is in Los Angeles for the rest of the month. The smog of the city makes for beautiful sunsets, as Miwa hears from a rooftop bar serving drinks al fresco six hours in the past. Or is it the future? Altogether, the time difference has been, gently put, inconvenient. I think I overestimated how close they are, she had admitted over the phone on her commute home last night once Elisa convinced her not to hang up. She was totally free to talk at five in the morning. Maybe the sunrises in LA are just as nice. Tobio looked like he'd rather chew glass when I told him Hinata was coming by. <laughs> Elisa snorted, too tired to even pretend like she doesn't, when she'd laughed into the receiver. Would chewing glass be worse than being left alone in the hospital for him? Miwa watches the city go by alongside her shoulder. It had been awful lucky that she'd happened to catch an empty train car at this hour, without a soul to listen to her think aloud as the wheels crashed into the rail over and over, 
rushing past the multicolor lights that float unanchored outside the windows. No, probably not, she replied. See, then you still did the right thing, Elisa said, which was a nice thing to say, objectively. But Elisa's frame of reference for brothers in trouble was, again, Lev, who calls her whenever he's been remotely inconvenienced, who kisses her cheeks when they greet each other with great bear hugs, who's never been his sister's charge, just her brother. It's a nice sentiment, but not the same. Not when, like all Kageyamas, Miwa and her brother are polite and neurotic and bound to something, something else. Miwa, Milaya, Elisa continued, like she could have snapped pretty manicured hands at Miwa to bring her back from the floating lights if only she really had been as close as she sounded. I know you want to do it all yourself, but you can't. Between Tobio and the shoot and taking care of yourself well enough to do everything over again tomorrow. <sighs> you can't just fix it, you know? Miwa had clicked her tongue, a tisk against what wasn't technically a challenge. Can't I? Can't I, though? No. I don't know, maybe if I put my back into it. Miwa. The second is another update in an ongoing series of updates from the other side of the world slash Venn diagram. 632. He's definitely cranky, even though he must have slept 16 hours yesterday, but he's been taking his prescription and he can keep food down as long as he doesn't get dizzy. He zones out more than usual, I think. Worse than usual? We'll keep you posted if I notice anything else. It's not that it's disappointing. Miwa just expected more exclamation points somehow. Emojis, maybe. GIFs. Something the kids are into these days. Something needless that would ultimately tell her about as much as the plain texts do. There's a few things of import here, in Hinata's messages, obviously. Cranky. Dizzy. More than usual? Worse than usual? But there's a larger trend at play where Miwa still can't be sure how Tobio comes off to other people. She's heard as many imposing takes for as many years as he's been alive from people who technically know him. Miwa does him a solid even when he's not there and agrees with all of the nice ones. You're welcome, Tobio. Is he really a prodigy? Maybe, but it's ultimately less offensive to her than slow. Is he as kind as he is to his fans? Absolutely and he's never once been aloof or grave or hangry. Is he cool? No? Sure, she'll grant cool. She'll grant anything short of curing cancer, probably. And then she'll cut hair and ignore his placement on another sports rag's top eligible bachelor's list instead of doing something drastic. But overall, Miwa doesn't think so much about what other people think of her brother. At least, not until she chews over that she calls her friends friends, and her co-workers co-workers, and calls Tobio's friends his friends, where he usually says things like teammate, or old classmate, or a senpai. Something specific. Maybe being that specific matters on the other side of things, but what does that make Hinata? What does cranky or worse than usual mean over there to him? If Tobio isn't his friend and isn't doing well, would he just say so? Or is this the prodigy, kind, cool? 
Hinata's already the type to get up at 6am on their day off. That could mean he's also the type to not lie, but agree to the nice ones. Miwa's going over to Tobio's after work tonight anyway, so she types out a thanks and takes a rain check on grinding her teeth any longer. The last message was one that she'd been avoiding since she'd blinked twice at the name connected to the text that had rung her phone just after midnight. She's not sure how to answer politely to Mamoru-san dropping a silver platter opportunity to do something that isn't nothing, because the first thing he'll say, if she's anything less than polite, is that she's being impolite. Failing to respond after seven or eight hours is probably already impolite, but in her defense, he started it two days ago, and years before that. She's old, remember? Grown, and gag, like her father, ugh, polite and neurotic and bound to something else. Maybe he wouldn't be like this if she'd stuck it out with the statistics degree, but the data suggests otherwise. When Miwa finally swallows her pride long enough to open the text at all, it's as disappointing as she anticipated. 12.32. Is it that urgent? He has you there with him. What Miwa does next, and she moves swiftly, are the actions of someone younger and angrier. She links does not link her father to a YouTube video that replays Tobio's accident, turns does not turn her phone on silent, face down at the far end of her station, and gets gets back to work. He catches a glimpse of himself in the bathroom mirror out of the corner of his eye, and when he turns, hops, to face himself entirely, what Tobio sees makes him choke on a mouthful of toothpaste. Kageyama, you okay? Hinata raps on the door from outside in the hallway. You didn't fall in, did you? It's a clumsy affair on one foot with the toothbrush still hanging out of his mouth turning the knob to swing the door open and grabbing Hinata by the t-shirt in bunches. Hinata could probably stand to be more confused as Tobio points to his face, verbalizing something that was supposed to sound like face, but sounded more like buh. Yeah, and? He replies, getting an arm under Tobio so he doesn't topple over in the time it takes to spit into the sink. Haven't you looked in the mirror at all in the last two days? The answer is no. Not for any real reason, it just hadn't really struck him as a priority. Tobio had woken up a two and a half, which is not a real tempo, but is decidedly more himself than he remembers being yesterday and the day before. He's still going to the bathroom, sitting in his bedroom, moving between both with all the lights off. Not really one to spend too much time checking himself in a mirror anyway, He'd been more suspicious that today really might be the best he's felt since Sunday than he had curious about the state of his appearance, which altogether means that Tobio missed the plum bloom of a fat, ugly bruise crawling up the left side of his face. Kageyama, you smacked your head off the gymnasium floor. Like, pfft. Hinata whispers into the mirror, but then blows a raspberry to make his point. I can't believe you didn't feel that thing any sooner. What did you think you looked like? Tobio lets go of Hinata, 
leaning close over the sink to see the splotches of skin healing yellow and green at the edges of the bruise when it hits him. I didn't think I would look so much like Sawamura-san, he replies. Hinata starts with a saw and ends <coughs> with a snort through the nose. You're right. Remember when <coughs> he fell flat on his face first year and we all thought he died. I almost forgot about that. I can't believe you remember. The corners of Tobio's mouth tug without his permission, even as he presses the pads of his fingers to his cheekbones to see if the bruise hurts. It does. He can't believe it either, truthfully. Not that the bruise hurts hurts. That he remembers something as long ago as a spring interhigh, concussion or not. It's a distant memory, all wrapped in black and orange and much, well, smaller than he'd thought it to be at the time. But it's good to have another thing Tobio knows that he knows. To have another small success after a morning of small successes. He didn't wake up with a headache this morning. He'd kept his balance and kept his breakfast. He remembers Sunday morning and Saturday night and some summer afternoon playing volleyball in a high school tournament years ago. It's not much, but it's what he's collected so far. And like Hinata said, it's not like he's playing volleyball today. What numbers are we on? Tobio asks. Remembering that Sawamura-san bounced his head off the floor like a volleyball once at the spring interhigh doesn't count as a competition, Hinata says. He's right, of course. They'd technically decided, also sometime first year, that all of the parameters for their competitions had to be agreed upon before they happened, races being the exception that only required eye contact. Someone sounds bitter, says Tobio. Ooh, look out, Kageyama's on to three-word sentences this morning. Tobio watches Hinata roll his eyes through the glass of the mirror. What number do you remember being on? He provokes or tries to, and Tobio takes him up on the challenge, or at least thinks about it. He's almost sure he doesn't know the answer to this one, at least not immediately, not off the top of his head. Tobio rinses off his toothbrush, deposits it in the cup by the sink, ignores the way Hinata watches him back, twice as scrutinous, right through the mirror, as he buys himself enough time to play catch-up. I think... Today's been good so far, and if anything, Tobio thinks he has it in himself to aim for one more good, right thing. I think we were at 1,348 me and 1,349 you. Tobio's breath catches when Hinata shakes his head, but he finds he can breathe again pretty soon after, once he spots how wicked Hinata's whole face has curled. Close, Kageyama but I'm actually at 1,350. Are not. Are too. We bet on who'd get the most service aces before the Netherlands match, and it was me. Hinata replies, smug and stupid, and again, technically correct. He's right about this, too. Tobio still doesn't remember a great deal of the Netherlands match, a great black mass taking up space where the memories of his accident should have gone plus everything before and after. But he does remember that while getting off the bus and going into Ariake Arena, Hinata bragged he was feeling extra good that Sunday. Maybe it was all their training coming to a head, 
Maybe it was the good and soon-to-be-empty feeling that you always want in your gut during a game. Maybe it was just that they'd gotten as far as crushing Team USA. Tobio, naturally, had replied that he was feeling even better. And they decided on service aces as the measure of who would end up covering the other's tab for the team dinner they'd all go to at the end of the night, no matter what. He'd lost, obviously, but he'd also played one less set. When Tobio points this out, he doesn't necessarily intend to pout. You played more than I did. That's not my fault. Maybe you just shouldn't get hurt next time. It's not like I tried to get injured. It's okay, Kageyama-kun. I won't even hold you to your loss until you can pee on two feet again. Maybe we can count that as a point, too. Tobio's eyes roll back into his head when Hinata pats him on the shoulder. But for now, I'm in the lead. When Tobio pokes the bruise again and winces when he finds that it still hurts, Hinata shakes his head and smacks Tobio's hand away from his face. When Hinata asks if he can take a picture of the bruise and send it to their friends from Karasuno, Tobio pushes him out of the bathroom. You have one unheard message. Kageyama Senshu, this is Yamada Sensei's office in St. Luke's Memorial's Department of Orthopedics, calling with the results of your MRI. Please call back when you get the chance. Thank you, and have a pleasant day. End of message. When Iwaizumi says he's going to do something, more often than not, he'll do exactly what he says he will, and then a little bit more. So, when he gets a hold of Hinata to say he'll take a detour to Tobio's apartment on his way home from work at the National Training Center on Tuesday afternoon, it's to no one's surprise that he not only arrives five minutes early, but brings a heavy gift bag and also Oikawa. Oikawa-san! Hinata sounds ecstatic and loud, voice reverberating down the bright, sunny hallway, to carry at a comfortable volume into Tobio's blacked-out bedroom even as he walks away. Taking the phone from Iwaizumi to continue the FaceTime call from wherever it is that he'll decide to pace as he chats, maybe out on the balcony he likes so much, his footsteps and his voice still sound like he's right outside Tobio's bedroom door. Congrats on Argentina's qualification! How is... Vancouver? Rainy and expensive! Oikawa's voice is tinny through the phone, which, like Hinata, must also be at full volume, if not yelling. Look at what's been done to my hair by this weather, Shoyo. Do you know how hard it was to convince any bartender to give the guys free celebratory drinks with hair like this? But did you manage, Oikawa-san? Did I? Shoyo, if I can get the national team back on track after two lost sets to Team China, I can do anything, first of all. Tobio bristles at the noise, and it isn't even a concussion thing. He feels fine right now. This is just who they are when they are in proximity, as he's learned. Hinata and Oikawa. Loud. Second of all, congratulations are in order on my end as well. I hear all of you in Iwachan's little boy band had a pretty successful weekend, too. We 
did. All this to say, when he hears Hinata step onto the balcony so and launch crazy. into a gleeful retelling huge. of their victories at the I Olympic qualifiers, starting out, with his very I've first serve of their very first it. match, Tobio suspects that, that Oikawa may be acting as a distraction really of some rude. kind. But he watches Iwaizumi watch them go from the hallway, and when he waits until Hinata slides the glass door shut to come in and close the bedroom door behind him, leaving them both in darkness, Tobio understands that he's been cornered. I tried reaching out to you first, but once I realized you probably weren't looking at your phone a whole lot, I figured Hinata was my best bet. Iwaizumi keeps his voice low and warm as he pulls up the wooden chair Hinata had left in the corner. He hadn't bothered to change out of his uniform, so he smells like Salompas and the Ajinomoto Training Center. Team Japan, as always, is sewn to his left breast. You seem alert. You're taking it easy, right? Getting enough rest? Keeping your knee on ice? Tobio checks again on his knee to find that it's still elevated and numb after another round of ice packs. He doesn't think too long about whether kicking Hinata in the balls counts as taking it easy before he looks back to Iwaizumi and nods. It hurt much? It's uncomfortable, but okay with the pills. And your head? On and off, but today wasn't as bad. Good. Iwasumi says this in a way that makes Tobio feel like he accomplished something personally. It's the kind of thing that makes Iwasumi well-liked by the national team. So, first things first, I'm sure Hoshiyumi or Mia already ruined the surprise, but... Tobio watches as Iwasumi lifts the gift bag, its contents heavy enough to round out the bottom of the red plastic, and set it on the side of the bed within arm's reach. The guys on the national team wanted me to make sure you got their care package. Tobio blinks, tugging the sparkly rope handle, and thus the gift, closer. Looking inside is like looking at what would happen if someone took their arms to the aisles at the local convenience store, swept everything into shelves into a gift bag, and topped it off with tissue paper. And as professional volleyball players, many of the national team members have long arms. Two bags of Kappa Ebisen and a gift card, maybe two, to Onigiri Mia and a bottle of supermarket wine. Face masks and a copy of this week's Shonen Jump, a few fistfuls of chocolates and cheap pink slippers and microwave popcorn, not to count out Tobio's favorite prize. Not necessarily the sparkly card with a kitten on the front. He is not ready to try reading the chicken scratch prattling well wishes but the curry advert he'd posed for tucked inside, maybe clipped from a newspaper or something, except with a mustache drawn over his face. Altogether, it's enough to make something bloom heavy in his chest. Tobio slowly sets the bag on his bedside table, and when it threatens to fall over, he lowers it onto the carpet. Thank you, he says, somehow softer. I also brought you something, but it's not half as exciting as Mia's brother's onigiri, I'd think, says Iwazumi as he reaches into his own backpack, fumbling with its contents before handing Tobio a thin plastic shopping bag, folded over to wrap the contents like gift paper. The convenience store logo crumbles in Tobio's grip when he opens the parcel and finds, with little ceremony, 
something even heavier than the gift bag. A knee brace? Tobio asks, though not so much a question, really. The model on the front of the box that lays limp in his lap, wearing the product on his knee with a thumbs up, provides an answer well enough. It is, in fact, a knee brace. For his knee, he could assume. Iwaizumi gives a curt nod. The hospital is going to try to give you their default brand. It's crap. This one's much better. Does the best job of keeping everything comfortably packed in tight. That's good, too. But it's a different good. There are the chocolates and wine, the pink slippers, the curry advertisement that are good for fun, and then there's the knee brace that's good at its job because it, at the end of it all, it has a real job it is intended to do. I have to admit, though, Iwazumi continues, the corners of his mouth winding up as he crosses his arms with a huff. It was Oikawa who insisted upon making this recommendation, not me. Iwazumi doesn't laugh at Tobio and whatever face he's making when he just about short circuits again. Oikawa? Oikawa. Oikawa? But he does let himself grin fully. I know, I know. I wouldn't have brought it if he was doing it to mock you. I think this is out of the goodness of his heart, which is worse, objectively. The spasm of Tobio's fingers that make him splay and grip his top quilt in irregular patterns eventually subsides long enough for him to force out a polite, Thanks, but, but. Tobio might have been feeling okay today, right now, but he's still injured. The national team knows he's injured and got him a gift bag with food coupons and things he usually doesn't eat during the season. Oikawa knows he's injured and recommended a knee brace for him. Iwaizumi is here because it's his job as an athletic trainer, and he should be, but the presents he brought with him are the sorts of things that get sent between teammates when one of them... Tobio stops there, choosing instead to croak. This all means whatever you have to say next can't be any good. Iwaizumi doesn't sigh, really, when he's exasperated. Tobio watched him deal with Oikawa in middle school, then the Japanese national team for years after that, and he's not one to show dejection or surrender when he could just fold his arms and say what he means, square and honest. It makes Iwaizumi easy to understand and trustworthy and well-liked, at least by Tobio. And so, when he does sigh, broad, strong shoulders rising and deflating to look smaller, especially so in the dark, it means something. I'm here as your trainer first, friend second today. But a weaker person would say this like he has something to admit. And, muted as he is, Iwaizumi remains honest. It isn't ideal for you to be making big decisions that consider a lot of information this soon after your concussion, but it's unavoidable when we also have your knee to think about. As your trainer, it's my responsibility to make sure you understand your prognosis and recommended course of treatment, but it will be up to you to decide what's good news and what's bad news, alright? Tobio sits up, discarding the knee brace to the side as well, his heart sinking but an inch lower than it should be. The feeling he'd had today, that maybe today would be better, 
is fading under the heavy knowledge Tobio somehow has of what's to happen next. Got it. Do you remember what happened over the weekend? The short answer, no. The black mass remains. He doesn't really remember what happened to him at all, just what he's been told. Ran off court to make an emergency set, and I jumped. Even though he knows what Iwazumi is really asking, all of what Tobio replies with feels foreign, an echo of what he heard at the hospital from his sister, from Hinata, and fell in a weird way over the barriers. My knee made a pop. I mean, I thought it was more of a snicked personally, Iwazumi says with a shrug. Tobio thinks the distinction makes a great deal of sense. Because I tore my ACL. Right. This time, instead of anything like an accomplishment, Iwaizumi's affirmation feels more like a warning that something's coming. Closer. Now, I'm sure you've worked with plenty of other athletes who've gone through this kind of thing over the years. It's not an unusual injury, but the primary treatment will require surgery to reconstruct the tear with a graft. Unlike the MRI and the CT scan, Tobio's had surgery before, only just to get his wisdom teeth removed, over winter break one year in high school. It had technically gone well, he thinks, though not unlike his current state, he'd slept through most of the days following the procedure. He doesn't remember most of it, other than the taste of saline swishing around in the back of his mouth and asking the first person who checked on him if he died. He also doesn't seem to remember who the first person to check on him would have been. This is what Tobio is thinking about when he comes back around and realizes Iwazumi is still in the middle of some kind of important medical explanation. And you are going to get a phone call about that today, if you hadn't already, from the orthopedic surgeon at St. Luke's to schedule a pre-surgery appointment and a surgery date. What happens if I don't? Tobio doesn't mean to cut Iwazumi off. He's not trying to be rude, either. It's just that this part is the important part. Less about the taste of the saline, and more about how long he needs to wash with saline for, and what happens if he doesn't follow through. If I don't get the surgery, I mean. Iwazumi doesn't so much as blink at the interruption. Hmm. Good question, he hums. You know that feeling you've probably had the last few days when you go to stand up? The buckling. That won't go away, Iwazumi states, flat. You definitely got enough of a tear that leaving it to heal on its own won't get you back anywhere near the activity level you're used to. Tobio nods, eyeing his knee where it's elevated and otherwise unable to straighten out. His heart still hangs that much lower to his gut, but he knew. It's not as though he didn't see this coming. So I need the surgery. Again, I can only recommend it for your long-term health. Knowing you and what you've probably gotten used to as an athlete, I think it'd be more of a risk to not get the surgery done and torture you with taking it easy for the rest of your life. Goosebumps prickle on Tobio's arms. No way, he thinks. Wrong. After the procedure, it'll be two weeks to control inflammation. Then we can start physical therapy about the first week and a half or so, and you'll be able to begin building up strength again after about the first month. But the earliest that I or anyone else on the team will be able to clear you for play is six months post-op Sono Italian League. 
Tobio says without inquiry, on behalf of the question he'd asked the white walls and red lasers of the CT scanner. I expect your manager will have more information for you, but no, certainly not. His intuitions about the league season, the ones that had hung over Tobio's head since Sunday, get cut by this confirmation and drop much lighter to the floor. No Italy, no season. I gotta say, Iwazumi continues, the few moments of silence to pad the fall past now, I'm pretty relieved this isn't news to you. Tobio tilts his head. I was afraid you'd be crushed. Iwazumi is a really nice person, Tobio thinks, but between the proximity of his heart to his stomach, the chills up and down his arms, the heaviness of the knee brace weighing him to the bed, Tobio could, would, say he is crushed, at least a little. A lot will have to change in the next few months in order to find the routine he'd need to recover best, and a lot of the things he relies on to feel normal, that he plans his day around when his knee is working properly, will just have to go. No knee means no running, no gym, and definitely no volleyball. All of these things will be saved, will be packed up to collect dust while waiting for a lighter, without even mentioning how the Italian league is among the best in the world, Ali Roma, a club that routinely medals at global championships. Switching a volleyball training regimen for a recovery plan is daunting on its own, but no Italy means no Italian food, no sun-baked cobblestones or strangers who can claim to him in all the Italian words he doesn't know in the middle of the street without prompt. Rome's been Tobio's second home for a few years now, and disappointing things are disappointing. Tobio is crushed. Of course he is. But what keeps him leveled is exactly what he tells Iwazumi. It'll be okay. I can miss one season for this. It's only six months. He'll have to do some extra work once his knee's back to normal, just to catch up with the shape the rest of his national team teammates will be in, coming into Paris after a full season of work under their belts, but surely he'll be able to make time. It's only out of the corner of his eye does he notice that Iwazumi's expression is tight and narrow and pointed, but his eyebrows bow in the same arc as his frown. He almost looks... sad? Tobio doesn't know what to do or say to this. It's like the immediate second after he'd reached into the gift bag, and rather than touch the plush of the slippers, something had bitten him instead. You have one unheard message. Tobio, it's your father. Please call back when you get the chance. Your mother wants to hear that you're all right. End of message. <sighs> Iwazumi sighs again. Kageyama. He starts slowly, harder to read. I was asked to watch how much I disclosed to you at one time as your trainer, before I came here today. Tobio's head swims, treads long enough to put two and two together. 
but as your friend, off the record, Iwaizumi continues, I would explain a few more things to you about your current status and eventual outcomes, so long as you aren't getting tired. Why? Why what? Tobio's not sure what he's asking. Why the mystery? Tobio's also not sure if he's tired because Iwaizumi suggested he might be, or if he'd been tired this whole time and had simply forgotten until Iwaizumi said anything. He blinks, tries to think and be more specific, but can only ask again. Why? Because I can tell you don't really remember what happened on Sunday and that you're just repeating what you've been told. Iwazumi doesn't hesitate, doesn't flinch when he says this. In which case, whatever I tell you now will just be explained to you at your two-week follow-up with the neurologist. I'm asking if you want to know now. I want to don't answer immediately. Think about it first. Other than the cool blowing in from the air conditioning unit and the distant buzz of the hallway light, everything goes quiet. The last day or two let Tobio get away with forgetting the world is wider than his apartment. Tobio wonders who swore Iwaizumi to secrecy like this, and who the neurologist he'll meet in two weeks is supposed to be. Injuries are usually outside of Hibarida-san's expertise, even more so of Uchida-san's. It's probably a different doctor than the one who checked his knee, and Tobio doesn't remember his name anyway. Maybe it's the technician with cat scrubs. I want to know all of it, he says as easy and quickly as an exhale, then, with a little more consideration, adds, Don't hold back. Iwazumi nods. I think, given what I know about you and your health, you will have a successful ACL surgery and recovery, is where Iwazumi begins, stern, like he didn't just give what Tobio thinks is good news. If it was just the ACL holding you back, I would say if all goes well, this time next year, the next six months of recovery will be a funny memory. But as you were probably told, you didn't just tear your ACL on Sunday. No, I didn't. I also hit my head, Tobio says. You hit your head again, yes. Again? Again. But I thought... Any additional words for how he feels get caught in his throat. Thought what? Where's the list? Where did hitting his head for a second, first, time fit between cutting his hair and the CT scan? Just when I fell? Do you remember any other part of the tournament? Iwazumi asks. A simple enough question, begging a simple enough answer. Yeah, I just... But what comes to him as an afterthought is ultimately what happened. Earlier in the weekend, in warm-ups before the match against South Korea, Tobio had taken a stray receive to the back of the head. Inubosaki had been nothing but apologetic, but it's not like it was a big deal. It's okay, happens all the time, is what he'd said then, even as Iwaizumi checked his eyes and made him sit out the match in favor of Atsumu leading Team B to the win. He'd meant it, too. Sure, it'd mean a slower start to the tournament than he'd warmed up for, but the team was in good hands with Atsumu, and it was important to take the appropriate steps to stay safe. 
Tobio had always taken the appropriate steps to keep himself in shape. That happens all the time, the Tobio of the present echoes, much less okay. That's happened to me a thousand times? And that's where the problem tends to be in this sport. A thousand times is a lot of times to get hit in the head. The wise me of the present corrects, still a trace closer to the athletic trainer than the senpai. Tobio hears everything that Iwaizumi says next in slow motion, five seconds behind, just like the screens hanging overhead in the arena. And concussions are sneaky. Everyone's symptoms are different, but I suspect the hit you suffered on Saturday, even when it really looked like nothing at the time, is what made Sundays that much worse. You're doing well today, that's great, but there's no telling what the next few months, next few months, maybe a year, maybe a year, might look like for you. We really have to watch closely, monitor any changes you experience, and see. Yes, but that doesn't... that can't mean anything, can it? Tobio's timeline lands as good as a smack to the bruised side of his face, and because all of the points he'd logged as places he'd been and things he'd done had to connect to one another somehow. The MRI isn't disconnected from the ACL tear. Miwa's ponytail isn't disconnected from watching her brother get knocked out. The sun isn't disconnected from the headaches. He'd hit his head Saturday, and felt fine until he hadn't, mid-air and watching the grid snap and falling into something worse. Much worse. Two weeks out, that's when I should be feeling better? Kageyama, you were out for twelve seconds. Iwaizumi stops. A long twelve seconds. I timed it. But that's not... I'll be able to keep playing, right? Ali Roma is off the table for next season, but after that, what about Paris? I'm not being... Benched. Permanently. Instead of simply affirming or denying Tobio's apprehension, Iwazumi frowns and says something Tobio fears more. I don't know. I really don't know, Kageyama. The timeline hits him again, another five-second delay. But I did everything right, Tobio spits, only to wince at how he sounds. Desperate. Sad. Iwaizumi doesn't reach out to touch him, hold his hand, or hand him a tissue, but his response is still immediate, still assured. That's true, Kageyama. You didn't do anything wrong. But... There's always a but. But accidents still happen, even to strong, informed athletes. The full-body exhaustion comes on faster than anything else, and it's not enough to make him feel nauseous, but to make him feel absent. Absent from all the things that had made his body his, that he'd kept up with to maintain himself for years. They weren't meaningless, not any of them, at least not until right now. But, but, Kageyama, talk to me, Iwazumi says. Tobio doesn't know how long he's kept him waiting as he's tried to catch up. I don't understand what I'm supposed to do now, 
he admits. What to plan for, what to work for, what to wake up for, is what he means. What am I supposed to do if I don't? But that's the end of the sentence for him. He can't can't finish it on both ends. Can't convey what he means, even if he tries, and wouldn't want to, even if he could. Don't. Don't what? Iwaizumi waits. Tobio takes a long, deep breath to steady himself. What would you tell someone else with my injuries? He asks. He's white-knuckling his quilt again, this time with no release. To do next. Not to give up hope yet, first of all, Iwaizumi says right away, and then mulls it over a bit on his own, before he continues with, and second of all, I would tell them about Asada Mao's career. Tobio blinks. Once, and then again, when it finally comes to him. She's a figure skater? Yes. I, um, don't know anything about her. That's okay, I can catch you up, Iwaizumi says, almost happy to do so when Tobio says nothing else about it. Asada had been a young prodigy, Olympic silver medalist, world champion, you name it, she'd won it at least once. Then she announced her retirement five months after a career-worst finish at nationals, a title she'd claimed before almost half a dozen times. When she held a press conference to publicly discuss her decision to move on from sport, she said it was because she'd lost motivation and the competitive will she'd shown at the best moments of her 21-year career. Tobio might throw up. His stomach is empty, and he might still throw up. And instead of talking about the knee injury that had plagued her last two seasons, or the lost medals that had made her quit, she did what I hope you'll get to do. Asada talked about her gratitude for the people who supported her over the many mountains, and the times, not when she won, but when she did everything right. Vancouver 2010, even Sochi 2014. What happened in 2014? Tobio asks. She'd fell on her triple axle and doubled her triple flip in her Olympic short program, then skated the greatest free program of her career and went from 16th to 6th place. Iwazumi replies, flatly, simply, like Tobio should naturally know what every word in that explanation meant. What I'm saying here, Kageyama, Iwazumi proceeds, as Tobio blinks through, doubled her triple flip again and again, is that for the first time in your life, you're going to have enough time to think about what your volleyball career meant to you. Not your team, not the federation, not the rest of the country, and how you want to remember it when you move on. A part of Kageyama is wondering where Iwaizumi-san learned this much about figure skating. Another part of him caught Iwaizumi's words as they happened. What your volleyball career meant to you. Meant, not means. What do you mean? Tobio asks, and he's riddled once again with the knowledge of what's sure to come next. Don't hold back. Honest as ever, Iwaizumi sizes him up, looks Tobio dead in the eye, and asks, Kageyama. 
If today was the day you had to stop playing volleyball, what would you do? It's his first year playing at Karasuno. They're up against Shira Torizawa when Tendo, who Tobio now knows to be a nice and interesting person, is really leaning into the whole monster part of his guest monster persona. Is the exhausted setter going to have to face the deuce of despair? He'd ask Tobio, upside down, on one foot, prophetic or psychic, or whatever it means to call a future member of the press's monster generation a monster three years before he'd even joined the V-League. The only time I will ever feel despair is when I won't be able to play volleyball anymore, had been his reply at the time, and while it was mostly just to show his teeth with no real intent to bite back, he'd said exactly what he meant, not a syllable spared. I don't know what's going to happen to your career, Iwazumi says, here in the present. I can't know. No one can. That's why we'll have to keep tabs on your progress and see how you adjust. You'll need the time. I think it's good to be optimistic and ignore whatever media outlet thinks they have something to say and things like that. But I was there on Sunday, and I'm looking at you right now. Tobio's self-conscious, suddenly, about his bruise, about the times where he knows he's not listening and can't bring himself back down, about the words he forgets to say. At the very least, you're going to have a lot of time to ignore all the advice everyone's ever told you about not looking beyond the next hurdle, and consider what it is you're going to do in the instance that you're not cleared to return to play. There's less for him to do here, in his room, than in the bathroom when he tries to play catch-up this time. He can't do anything with the knee brace for another few months. He can't shift through the gift bag for anything he missed while it's on the floor. He can only sit and take it and exhaust himself thinking over everything he remembers being told and nod. Tobio nods. So I'm not playing volleyball tomorrow either. Iwazumi blinks. Huh? Did you bring Oikawa as a distraction? Tobio asks, suddenly. Again, what? You brought Oikawa and waited until Hinata left with him to tell me all of this. Is there a reason why? That obvious, huh? Iwazumi says, half a laugh coming up his throat and amusement releases what had kept his face tight. I didn't set out to do that at first. Oikawa called because he's an old man who leaves team celebrations after one drink to relive the entire match over the phone and crash before midnight, if he can help it. I wound up keeping him on as a distraction because I knew Hinata was going to be here. Why? Well, you're a setter, and all setters think the same under pressure. Iwazumi's warm expression turns wry. When something goes wrong, you look towards your team and decide who you're going to trust to make the next move. Oikawa has to tell me all of his game time decisions were the right ones. I've watched Mia call his twin and defend the same thing. With everything you have going on at the moment, I wanted to give you more time to process the situation on your own before you start looking for your ace. <sighs> this time, it's Tobio who heaves a sigh. You have a lot more time than half a second to figure out what makes the most sense for you next, Kageyama. Starting with that knee.
Another pause passes between them. Tobio shifts his gaze from Iwaizumi to his hands, releasing the fists of quilt he'd kept crumbled tight. I understand, he says. Then, so loud, like thunder and lightning, Tobio hears the glass door slide open and Hinata step, stop, back into the apartment, wrapping up his conversation, shouting match, with Oikawa. As the sound grows closer and closer, Iwazumi stands, throws his backpack over his shoulder, and drags the chair he'd been sitting in back to its new home in the corner of Tobio's room. You have me as a resource. Don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions about anything. I mean it, he says, reaching out to shake Tobio's hand. Yeah, Tobio thinks he says, all his attention focused on getting his arm up, his hand extended. Of course. He's weak. When Iwazumi opens the door to the hallway, the light is twice as bright. How's it going out here? He asks Hinata, and the phone he holds up, screen faced out. Fine, Hinata replies. Just fine. Are you done waxing poetic about your girlfriend, Iwachan? Oikawa asks, curly and mocking. Stop that. Girlfriend? Hinata gawks up at Iwaizumi, who shakes his head with spite. I don't have a girlfriend, he deadpans. Ah, 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 what about Mao-chan, huh? Shoyo, Iwachan's been in a tumultuous love affair for years. Hinata couldn't be more enthused at this news. Mao-chan? Like, THE Mao-chan? He's lying, Hinata. We've never even met. He stayed up all night just to watch her skate at Four Continents our second year. Was super late to homeroom. Don't listen to anything he says. Even I've always been second fiddle to- Iwazumi reaches out and clicks off the FaceTime call with a swift press of the red button. That's enough of that, I think. Hinata goes to hand him the phone, returning it to its rightful owner, but seems to falter halfway. Ah, he's already calling back, Iwaizumi-san, he grins. Iwaizumi, swift and stern, takes the phone and taps the red button again, twice as hard. It's good to see you both, he nods to Hinata before turning towards the doorway into Tobio's room. Kageyama, you'll think about what I said? Tobio might have nodded in response. He's not so sure. And then Iwazumi leaves much like he came, having done much more than he intended to. That was fun, Hinata says, whispering, once he's seen Iwazumi out. You good? Yeah, Tobio replies, staring at the white ceiling. He's a little cold, actually, now that he's thinking about it. You look like you're going to be sick. Are you sure you don't need anything? I just... Tobio's really cold. He's freezing, really. He's already under blankets. Maybe he needs a sweatshirt. Gloves or soup or something. Soup and pudding and saline. One of his parents stayed with him after his wisdom teeth surgery, but he's forgotten which one. Tobio doesn't know what he needs. He doesn't know what he needs next. I'm really tired. I'm sure. You guys talked for a while. Hinata smiles like he means it as he reaches for the handle, slowly pulling it closed until just his head and bright hair are visible behind the wood. I'll be out in the main room if you want anything. 
It takes all of his remaining energy to shake his head. But he does, and so Hinata shuts the door, leaving Tobio alone in the darkness. You have one unheard message. Kageyama Tobio, this is Ushijima Wakatoshi. It has been a few weeks since we last spoke. I witnessed your injury at the most recent Olympic qualifier and wanted to offer my support as you recover. My father had to retire from sport due to a similar incident, and I received much support from other retired athletes when I moved on from competitive volleyball, albeit under different circumstances. Their help was essential to my adjustment. Because you are still a good friend and spent many years as a trustworthy teammate to me, I wanted to offer myself as a resource to you too. Call anytime with any questions. Or just to talk. Sometimes that helps too. I look forward to hearing from you soon. End of message. Oshiyumi drops his tray on the table, and only because it's mostly empty does the clatter not disrupt the better part of the dining hall. He sits down with all the grace of a brick, narrowing his gaze and pursing his lips like he does when he's on the court. The rest of the national team, at least their national team, amongst the many grabbing lunch in the Olympic Village dining hall, continue eating and conversing like nothing's happening at all. But at this point, Tobio and Hoshiyumi have spent a year playing together for the Adlers back in Tokyo, so the stark difference in how Hoshiyumi had left the table, fine, from how he returned, game face, is noticeable. Also, Tobio is seated directly across from Hoshiyumi, and a stray romaine leaf had propelled from his tray after making impact to land on Tobio's tray. Before he or Ushijima can ask, Hoshiyumi goes on to explain himself. Some giant American broke the soft-serve machine, he says. Soft-serve ice cream is not in the diet plan, Heiwajimo replies dully a few seats over. It's frozen yogurt! Still not in the diet plan. Hoshiyumi ignores Heiwajima shaking his banana at him, eyes darting instead between Tobio and Ushijima his true peers on both the Adlers and the national team, unlike Heiwajima, where they're sitting side by side on the opposite end of the long cafeteria-style table. He and his giant hands took the last of the chocolate vanilla twist and then all the levers broke. There are staff people working on it now, but it won't be done in time for me to get any before practice. Perhaps it's for the best, as the protein and complex carbohydrate content in ice cream isn't anywhere near what someone of your size and energy level would need to get through a workout, says Ushijima. Yogurt, Ushiwaka! Tobio looks at Hoshiumi's plate. It's fine on the basics. Plain chicken over salad, miso soup, rice. But it'd be better if that wasn't all Hoshiumi had eaten since he'd felt sick the day before, he thinks. Tobio knows Hoshiyumi is normally picky, and Hirugami-san compared him to a bird, once, which is how Tobio found out that birds actually eat very little, but it's more than that, too. 
Hoshiyumi had confided in Tobio that his current concern is that he's always been particular about food outside of his staples. And in another country, another continent, all the way across the world, most of the foods are outside his staples. Tobio gets it. Not in the way that his appetite hasn't been compared to a bottomless pit independent of what he's eating, but the textures part, and the trying new things part, and the trying anything to feel satiated before working out part. Trying something new for lunch, and then having to, say, figure out the village's shuttle system, are two things not conducive to the consistency they usually rely on as athletes. Yet, tonight's the opening ceremony, so Hoshiumi needs a solution soon. Tobio highly recommends the feoada, or at least the farofa. I want a list of every tall man on the American team, Hoshiyumi announces, after some thought. Tobio blinks. All of them? Pfft, good luck. Hewajimo rips off another piece of banana and tosses it into his mouth. It's not like the U.S. is short on tall athletes. Ushijimo reaches into his jacket pocket to pull out his phone. Should it exclude the basketball players who are staying on a boat and subsequently unlikely to use any facilities in the Olympic Village? He asks Hoshiyumi. Hoshiyumi hums, tapping a finger to his chin. Hmm, that would make sense, he decides. And so Tobio watches the phone screen as Ushijima types something into his browser's search bar, Tall American Olympians, and a Google-curated list of names rounds out the top, along with pictures of men and women smiling in their blue and red jackets. Do you have any more physical descriptors? Ushijima asks, just to clarify. I don't know, he had brown hair, I think, and a face like... Hoshiyumi contorts his own face into a terrifying expression, crinkling his eyes at the corners and forcing a grimace that somehow is still smiling. And a Team USA jacket, and he was really tall, and that's all I needed to know. It's maybe just another few moments of scrolling past basketball players and physically trying to imitate all the smiles of all the athletes listed on Team USA's website before Ushijima's whole figure seems to perk up. Is it this man? He asks Hoshiyumi as he holds out his phone. Hoshiyumi is squinting at the screen when recognition lights up his whole face twice over. That's him! He nearly shouts, earning a chorus of shushes from older members of the national team further down the table. Is that Michael Phelps? Onigashira asks as he leans over Heiwajima to get a glimpse of the commotion. Micah who? Asks Hoshiyumi. Michael Phelps, Heiwajima clarifies, slow, in between bites of banana. The winningest Olympic athlete of all time? Never heard of him, Hoshiyumi says quickly before turning his attention back to Ushijima. What does he play? Is he a middle blocker? Ushijima checks his phone screen again. He appears to be a swimmer, he states, and 193 centimeters. Hoshiyumi fumes at this. Have you really never heard of him? Onigashira and Heiwajima, like Ushijima, Hoshiyumi, and Tobio, are around the same age and thus get paired up for a great deal of national team activities. They can usually be seen laughing between each other, although right now, 
Tobio definitely suspects that they are laughing at their juniors. <laughs> there are sports at the Olympic Games besides volleyball, you know? Tobio feels himself frown. Guys! <laughs> Neither he, nor Hoshiyumi, nor Ushijima say anything in acknowledgement. Guys! Seriously! <laughs> Getting Ushijima to give him a better look at the reference image, Tobio thinks he's seen this face before. Maybe. At least once or twice? He'd spent a little, but not a lot of time, watching swimming during London, or Beijing, or Athens, if he remembers correctly. He'd mostly watched volleyball. Of course he had. And truthfully, his idea of variation was also watching beach volleyball, especially since that's what Hinata had watched and latched onto in 2012, subsequently relaying all of his individual thoughts to Tobio over text. Tobio had had to watch just to keep up. The Germans' upset was pretty incredible, admittedly. In 2016, Hinata's still somewhere on the other side of town, and instead of watching Beach, Tobio's watching Hoshiyumi decide to do something evil. I bet this Mitchell Phipps guy thinks because he's the winningest that he can just take whatever soft serve he wants, he says, hitting the table for emphasis. Another romaine leaf flops off his plate. Someone's gotta tell him otherwise. Kodai, no. Are you really going to pick a fight with m- My- Tobio checks the name on Ushijima's phone, which Ushijima kindly holds up for him. If anything, his English is about as good as it was in 2012, which is to say, Mikad Felp? You wanna come with? Tobio is nodding before he knows he's nodding. This is exciting, er- a great way to support Hoshiyumi, as his setter, in finding a norm in Rio that makes play comfortable and easy. All right! Hoshiyumi exclaims, his eyes going wide, wider, before he turns onto Ushijima. What about you? He'll see you coming from a mile away and know I mean business. I don't believe in settling differences off the court, Ushijima replies, firmly. But he doesn't even play volleyball! How else are we supposed to settle our differences? That seems to make Ushijima think a little more deeply about the matter. Tobio hopes he comes to the same conclusion that he already had. That Hoshiyumi can be very intimidating when he wants to be, without two guys who clear 180 centimeters flanking either side of him. Even if he doesn't totally deck this American swimmer or anyone else, watching someone twice his height cower in fear of Hoshiyumi and the power he holds would be... Fun, Tobio thinks, if nothing else. I suppose, Ushijima starts slowly. Tobio and Hoshiyumi both lean in on the edge of their seats. You wouldn't get another opportunity to communicate your dilemma otherwise. Hoshiyumi points at Ushijima, a great wide grin blooming across his face. At about the same time, Tobio pumps a fist, just under the table. Great, then let's go! Eat first, Heiwajima replies, though something malicious twinkles in his eyes. And if you're late for the bus to practice, I will personally make sure coach doesn't start any of you three for another Adler's match next season. Nothing if not diligently observant of orders and respectful of their elders, Tobio, Ushijima, and Hoshiyumi finish their lunches in record time and at varying levels of consideration. Before long, it's Hoshiyumi who leads. 
tossing his tray into the garbage receptacle at the end of the table and taking off for the closest door. And without much deliberation or verbal confirmation, Ushijima follows, Tobio behind him. They've only been in the Olympic Village for two days, but after spending the first sleeping off the jet lag and the second locating their facilities, it's not until the day of the opening ceremonies does it really start to feel like they're really staying in a community, breathing and lived in, now that all the athletes have arrived. Even just this afternoon, the sun hanging high and hot in the clearest of skies, they seem to trek half the globe in a few running steps. There's gymnasts half of Tobio's height, lean and willowy runners, weightlifters made out of muscle, the multicolor spectrum of all their team jackets unending, blues and yellows, greens and reds, black and white to represent a little bit of home, however far away from home. There's so many people, Tobio thinks aloud. Why are there so many fucking people? Hoshiyumi shouts, seemingly to everyone in the immediate vicinity. Because we're sharing a communal living space with all of the best athletes in the world, Ushijima says. Tobio can't help but squint at him. He isn't even breaking a sweat against Hoshiyumi's breakneck pace. It's part of what makes the games different from other tournaments. Good point, actually. Hoshiyumi takes a sudden corner around the McDonald's, Tobio and Ushijima skidding to match the change in direction. What could be better than crushing the best volleyball players in the world? Not just that. There's just nothing else like them. Where getting to go at all is its own reward, Ushijima says, thoughtfully. At least that's what my father told me. Did your dad tell you anything else? Tobio asks. He told me to have fun, which is why I decided to join you and Hoshiyumi-san, Ushijima says as Hoshiyumi leads them around a fountain. He'll be here before our first match, so I can ask if he has any more advice then. But mostly, he said to have fun, because it's the Olympics. Between the tall buildings, the fountain, and the world in a city block, Tobio catches something out of the corner of his eye. It's not Miguel Preps, it's the horizon that meets a bright blue ocean. This is where it hits him. He's made it all the way to the Olympics. We're at the Olympics, he says. Yeah, Kageyama-kun, no shit. Are you even looking for- No. Look. Tobio grabs Hoshiyumi and Ushijima each by their shirts as they roll to a stop letting go to gesture vaguely between the buildings towards a set of rings, blue and yellow, black and green and red, erected in the sand by the beach, tall and distinctive and unmistakable. When the breeze hits him on the inhale, fresh air and something salty on his tongue, he feels his face nearly split. We're at the Olympics. Despite Tobio's enthusiasm, Ushijima and Hoshiyumi, admittedly, look dumbfounded at first. But only at first. Hoshiyumi gasps, hands flying to his hair when it hits him. Oh, I... Ah! He starts pacing, bouncing up and down and between his feet. Shit, we're at the Olympics! 
Ushijima nods, as wide of a smile as Tobio's ever seen on him, patting Hoshiyumi on the shoulder before he really leaps and causes even more of a commotion. Indeed, we made it to the Olympics. Ah! Right. They stand there just to look around for a moment. Hoshiyumi starts to pace a little and cackle more, frantic and weird. So weird that Tobio has to laugh too, in between wringing out his hands. Ushijima even offers a chuckle, bouncing this extraneous energy between the balls of his feet. The three of him take his Utsui-san's advice as they live in the moment, at least until Hoshiyumi, like he usually only does on the court, locks on to something on the other side of the makeshift street. Look, that guy has an American flag on his jacket. Let's go ask him. He points without consideration before taking off in a sprint towards a group of men standing outside a dorm building. Oi! A very tall man, with brown hair and a wry mouth, but still someone different in appearance from Mikkel Krebs, turns around with brows furrowed. Hoshiyumi starts shouting at him in Japanese as they make their approach, and when that doesn't get his attention, failing to register as a greeting for the athlete, Hoshiyumi slows down and takes a deep breath. <sighs> he starts with tapping the man on the shoulder, mumbling a fast, hello, and then, as slow and steady as the tapes in any high school English class, asks, Did you break the soft serve machine? The athlete turns his head, a blank look crossing his face. Tobio recognizes it as the same thing they do with the foreign players on the Adlers. He's looking for the couple phrases, words, sounds that he does recognize. Kageyama, Ushijima whispers with a sense of urgency, holding his phone up to Tobio's nose. I don't know if this is the right man. Tobio takes Ushijima's phone and holds it at a comfortable enough distance to focus and find that it's not. It's definitely not. The man Hoshiyumi is throwing English words at, at the present moment, is almost certainly not the man in the picture, and not the man who broke the soft serve machine. Excuse me, do you know where... Tobio cuts off Hoshiyumi, making sure the American man is watching him before he checks the phone screen again and sounds out the name. Maikaru Ferepisu. Where? After a long, oh, the clearest words Tobio picks up from the man, who altogether seems understanding enough, are sorry and never met. Good luck finding him, though, he says, more clearly and with a friendly wave, soon departing with the rest of his group in the opposite direction towards the beach. They've grown pocket-sized with the gap and distance, and are nearly out of sight when Hoshiyumi turns on his heel towards Tobio and Ushijima, more perplexed than anything. You know, I'm not saying I was, like, killing the game or anything, but my marks in high school English were pretty alright, he admits. Mine as well, Ushijima replies. Tobio chews on the inside of his cheek. I had a good tutor, he says and Hoshiyumi laughs with his whole gut. Well, that's okay, he exclaims, 
altogether undeterred, facing the horizon with his hands on his hips. We can just keep looking. He has to be around here somewhere. Something vibrates then, in Tobio's palm, on the rhythm with a twinkling harp and the sounds of birds chirping. Oh, I set an alarm to go off five minutes before our shuttle leaves, says Ushijima, taking his phone back from Tobio and sliding the alarm off. That way we would not miss it and face Heiwajima-san's ultimatum. That was a good idea, Tobio nods, but then he thinks about it a little longer. Where's the shuttle leaving from? Ushijima doesn't say anything. Hoshiyumi's eyes go wide like the dining hall plates. The three of them sprint back through the village so fast they might just take off and fly to practice instead, searching for a teammate, a sign, any bus at all. Wait, did you guys really go look for Michael Phelps? After hearing of the ordeal during warm-ups and stretches, Heiwajima is laughing so hard he's crying. Onigashira had to walk away and grab a towel to wipe his tears. He's laughing so hard. You know he's a big enough deal to, like, stay at a big hotel with security instead of at the Olympic Village, where eager youngsters can just come approach him willy-nilly? Tobio hadn't really thought of it like that. But it makes sense. Nicholas Romero isn't staying in the Olympic Village either, and he's as big of a star as they have in volleyball. But I think in an interview, he decided not to stay in the village because he lives in Rio and he just had a son, Ushijima says. Tobio hums. He'd read that interview, too. Hoshiyumi, on the other hand, is dribbling a volleyball just out of bounds muttering something to himself. Michael Phelps, huh? Tobio watches him wind up and launch into what is a perfect display of perfect technique. A perfect toss, a perfect run-up, into a perfect jump serve that flies into the exact corner of the opposite side of the court. He really thinks he's better than me, doesn't he? As he was asked, Tobio thinks about the wisdom Iwazumi imparted. All he does, for every waking second, for the rest of the day, is think, think, about what Iwazumi told him. His room is as dark as it had been when he'd fallen asleep. He's warmed up plenty, save the goosebumps that won't go away, and his nose, ice cold from peeking out above the blankets for air. Tobio sits up woozy and somehow sore, and takes account of his lukewarm ice pack and throbbing temples before he calls, however softly, Hinata? Alone. Hinata! Tobio tries again, loud enough to echo across the carpeted floor and bounce off the empty walls. This time he hears some clattering, some movement, and the footsteps of someone much more relaxed and lithe. When the light runs across the ceiling to push out the black with a pool of orange and yellow, 
Tobio can tell through his squinting that it's Miwa leaning up against the doorway. Nope, just me. Hinata had to hit the road. He said he'd be back at some point to check on you before he ships out for the season. She says through a mouth half full, holding up a plastic container that smelled like it could have been appetizing. I got us takeout. Tobio swallows, his throat tight. Hinata still has a season, that's right. Hinata's supposed to go back to Brazil in something weeks. Something days? If it was just the ACL holding you back. I'm not hungry, Tobio says. Really? Are you okay? Yes, he lies. A thousand times is a lot of times to get hit in the head. You want anything? Water? Phone? Just water. No phone. Okay. Miwa doesn't sound convinced. Probably isn't. But also might just be more interested in whatever spicy noodle combination she's wrapping around her chopsticks at the moment. Did Hinata tell you? I was asked to watch how much I disclosed to you at one time. Throat impossibly tighter. Tobio mutters a, Tell me what? Mamoro-san and... Miwa stops long enough to swallow whatever she's eating. Tobio's stomach flips, protests at the notion. Dad and Mom are going to be back in the country next week. They're coming to see you. Oh. It's not that he was really looking for new hints that something's wrong, but Tobio's old enough now to know that his parents primarily appear ahead of good things and after bad things. Before Rio and Tokyo and something, in the stands for his matches, after his wisdom teeth surgery, in the same room, in the other room, working from home. Before something and before something, after his last middle school match, after Kazuyo. It's okay if they don't have time. Shut it. It would not be okay if they didn't make time for this. Nesan. He's cutting people off again, but can't find the room to feel self-conscious about it this time. Not when there's something he wants to know. When you decided you were going to drop out of college and do hair and makeup, what did you do next? Googled a list of the top beauty schools in the country, applied to all of them, accepted the offer from the best one. Miwa replies with a shrug. He understands that he didn't ask what he really meant to ask. Why? Kageyama, if today was the day you had to stop playing volleyball, what would you do? When someone goes to... He tries again change careers. What do they do? The hall light behind her casts a shadow across Miwa's face, but not enough of a shadow that he can't watch one eyebrow peak, interested if not suspicious. This couldn't possibly be about anyone we know? She asks. No, Tobio says quickly. Okay, well... Miwa taps her chin. 
a lot of people go back to school if they know what they want to switch to. That's what I did. Or they work odd jobs until they find something they want to do. If the person was, say, an athlete, she shrugs again, loaded, then they might do what other athletes do and be a brand ambassador for one of their sponsors. If today was the day or be a motivational speaker, you had to stop playing volleyball, write a book, what would you do? Maybe model? What is he supposed to do now? When Tobio hasn't answered for a while, Miwa looks for him, drops her chopsticks in her plastic takeout container and waves a hand, snaps her fingers. I found out today I have a bruise on my face, he says. Yeah, I know. Why didn't you tell me? Because I knew if I did, it was going to be the only thing you thought about until you could get a good look at it yourself, Miwa replies, simply. It's kind of a drop in the ocean, isn't it? All things considered. So I'm not playing volleyball tomorrow, either. Every bird flying high above Tokyo does, does not, land. Answering questions from the kids after a few games is way more fun than answering questions from the press after a whole match, mostly because no one will make fun of him when he uses FOOM as an adjective. The gymnasium full of Tokyo Youth League players, ages 7 to 14, break into laughter as Shoyo vocalizes what it's like to hear the speed of a service ace or a quick attack fly past his ears. They're on the tail end of the funnest two hours this week's press train has in store for the national team in a competition that isn't even close. And given he's the only member who hasn't had to sit through the endless one-on-one -on -one insiders, panel discussions, 20 questions while petting puppies type interviews, Shoyo doesn't mind pulling all the weight and playing the clown. It's for the kids, after all. And it's his second Olympic cycle, so he already knows what's required. The hours of footage they create this week will get turned into promotional content for the Olympic season while the players move on for their separate league seasons here or abroad, playing for the Jackals or the Adlers or the Falcons, in Brazil, in Russia, in Italy. Shoyo's hitting the road. Air? He's flying to Sao Paulo, if that wasn't clear. In two short weeks. He might as well give the media something to work with, give the rest of the guys a break. Plus, the kids ask the best questions, only ever in wild extremes. A seven-year-old that had been sending tosses from Aran's shoulders about 20 minutes ago wants to know if Shoyo's arms have ever been taken off making a receive. No, but it sure feels that way sometimes. A fiery 12-year-old who'd called out Atsumu for intentionally going light on his serves asks if there's anything Shoyo has to do before a match for good luck. He always, always, always goes to the bathroom before he plays, but that's not really a luck thing. A ten-year-old who goes up to about the middle of Hoshiyumi's or Yaku's gut wants to know about how tall the foreign players get. 
Sometimes they're as tall as the tallest guys on the national team, but most of the time they're giants. A 14-year-old who'd made a set that the Sakusa Senchu had scored a point with wants to know about the intensity of a tournament over a regular series game. What makes tournaments harder is the pacing. It's very important to check in with your body and make sure it's getting what it needs when there's much less time to recover between matches. How bright are the lights? Very bright, but you get used to it after a while. How loud are the crowds? Very loud. The louder the better. Do the players get into fights with the other teams in the back halls of the arena? No comment. Just kidding. Of course not. Sportsmanship is very important. What was it like crushing the Americans? Awesome. Hinata Senchu calls one boy up front, maybe about nine years old or so, with hair like a nest and knobby knees. When Shoyo points to him to take his question next, he doesn't smile or beam or squirm like the other kids do. He just asks very gravely and very seriously, Is Kageyama Senchu ever going to play again? And it's like everyone stops breathing all at once. If there's a pair of eyes in the gymnasium, then they switch from simply watching to locking on to Shoyo. Kageyama little more than a target on his back. Ready, aim, fire. The kids glare at him like they're hungry. His teammates, who tiptoed around asking any similar questions before they'd started, are still and expectant. The staff members, who are probably up to date on the news and sick of the speculation and rumors, are curious, if not suspicious. And not unlike his peers, this Nabi Knees asks what he wants to know in extremes. Will Kageyama ever play again? At all? And who better to ask, think all the people who want to know, than Kageyama's partner? Some things don't ever really change. They just change shape and count higher, travel the world and make a name for themselves on a global stage, and then go and don't even come apart even when separated. Nabi Nis probably doesn't know what that's like yet, to stay someone's anything through time and over continents, not when he looks like he's probably only been alive about as long as Kageyama's been playing professionally, which is quite a while for something to stay the same, and then, suddenly, change. It's for this reason that Shoyo doesn't want to lie, but relaying what he's learned in the last two days scrolling through every Google search-generated source on concussions in the earliest hours of the morning and egging on Kageyama just to see if he can get a reaction probably isn't fair. He decides, instead, to meet Nabi Knees in the middle and to answer in an equal extreme. Sure, Shoyo replies with a smile. The kid audibly exhales deflating in relief, along with the rest of the gym. One day, just as long as he takes the time to recover properly. They were cleared to use the locker rooms to drop their stuff off before and clean up after the Q&A, and so that's where Shoyo's body carries itself once they're done. Though he's moving less to the locker room, more to his phone, unzipping his backpack's smallest front pouch to dig for it between protein bar wrappers and spare change and pens. He doesn't know what he was anticipating so intently, 
but it wasn't to click the phone's home button once, twice, to greet only his reflection in the black mirror. Huh. Shoyo tries again, then again, before it really occurs to him that his phone is dead, and he must have forgotten to charge it. It takes a deep dive back through the smallest front pouch, then the medium-sized pouch, then the large, wide mouth of the main bag for it to sink in that he doesn't have his charger either. Shoyo-kun! Atsumu knocks him on one shoulder with his elbow. Hoshiyumi claps him on the other, both dressed back down and ready to leave. We all agreed to get noodles tonight. You coming? Yeah, I... Shoyo tries the home button of his phone one more time, just to make sure. My phone's dead. You got a charger? Hoshiyumi asks, like it isn't the obvious next question. I usually do, but I must have left mine at Kageyama's apartment, replies Shoyo, imagining clearly in his mind's eye the corner of Kageyama's living room, between a standing lamp and nothing else, that his charger must have been plugged and abandoned in. Just borrow Aran's and stop by Tobio-kun's in the morning, says Atsumu with a shrug. Aran, appearing behind the three of them with only an ounce of humor, smacks Atsumu on the back of the head. You know, I would have let Hinata borrow my charger anyway, but that's because he would have asked. Plus, it's getting late, and we don't have anything to go to first thing tomorrow, Hoshiyumi adds, otherwise unperturbed by the roughhousing. You'll have time to grab it in the morning. Knowing Kageyama, he's probably asleep right about now anyway, Aran says kindly, pointedly ignoring how Atsumu rubs the back of his head. Shoyo's sure Aran is right, or at least as right as he can be. Kageyama normally sleeps like he's dead as often as he's allowed 20 minutes to do nothing but lay horizontal, but that's usually a choice on his part, like flipping a light switch. When Shoyo spoke to Kageyama last, he really seemed exhausted, burnt out from doing nothing but lay in his bed and hold a conversation. His talk with Iwazumi must have really taken something out of him, or so he thought at the time. It's not an uncommon symptom. Google said so. Shoyo tries the home button just one more time and makes another mediated decision. Aran-san, can I please borrow your charger? He asks. Aran obliges without even rolling his eyes in Atsumu's direction, sliding his backpack off to fish through its pockets. Where are we going? Don't remember, Aran says. Hoshiyumi-kun got some promotional email from this diner a few blocks over. Sakusa, silent and deadly, appears at Shoyo's right as they round up some of the willing and able younger members of the team and move towards the exit and into the parking lot. Did Atsumu mention that he's paying? Atsumu makes some defeated sort of whine. You know, I don't know if we have to keep talking about it because of the way he embarrassed us all earlier in press. Don't worry, Hinata. It'll probably be online tomorrow. You can catch up then, Yaku says, heading up the back. He snorts when Atsumu scowls and zips his Team Japan jacket all the way up to his nose. In the meantime, can we all step on it? I want to eat something spicy and bad for me as soon as possible. It's not long before Shoyo's personally clocking in at about a three. These kinds of izakayas make him warm and full, so much so that keeping his eyes open is a struggle. 
He's made a few more educated and informed decisions. He'll charge his phone, but won't turn it on just to ignore his notifications and instead wait for some kind of update or fall down another Google rabbit hole. He will, he will, answer all of his notifications tomorrow morning, early, and to stop by Kageyama's right after, to grab his charger, to drop off the key Miwa lent him, to check in, then press, then Brazil. For now, he has time to eat his weight in gyoza and fall asleep drooling on the table tonight. It's not like he's playing volleyball tomorrow. The conclusion he comes to comes in the form of something sloshing back and forth in his stomach. Tobio could pull it out and see it. Hear it, maybe, if he could so much as open his mouth. He's on a fishing boat off the Amalfi coast. Nishinoya said Tobio wasn't allowed to come to Italy without seeing him, and seeing him involved signing up for one of the fishing tours he was running, weekdays, 8 to 6, from April until the end of the summer. It's a rush, and he should have known. The boat skips fast off the water. The cool breeze whips and licks past his ears and blows his bangs off his forehead. The salt stays too long in the back of his throat. But it's all so beautiful. Italy is really beautiful. Two hours in, there's an amberjack almost as big as Nishinoya himself writhing in Tobio's arms. And he is... He is... He's really... He's really... Holy shit, are you laughing? Kageyama, you sick, evil bastard! Nishinoya whoops and hollows, shaking his fists at Tobio with a grin so wide it must hurt. We are eating good tonight! Tobio's face hurts from muscles less used working so hard. The aquamarine glass of the water below is beautiful. The sky near setting is beautiful. This fish is fucking beautiful. He can't help how he feels, and how he shows it in the quiver of his hands, the drum in his chest, in whatever it is that's bubbling up from his gut. Tobio opens his mouth and lets out the biggest, happiest... He's in an arena in Rio. He's so nervous he can't remember the name of the venue. Tobio wasn't supposed to play this match, wasn't really supposed to make the team this year either, but Team Japan is down a veteran setter and by four to Team France, and they're desperate, so Tobio serves. And serves. And serves. And serves again. He feels like he's shaking enough to fall apart, but when he presses his fingertips together, they're perfectly steady. The crowd screaming over an unprecedented four service aces in a row. Everyone in the arena is losing their mind. His teammates knew he could play like this, and they're still losing their fucking minds. Francis number five looks like he wants Tobio dead. Tobio might die. He might fly away. Instead of doing either, he launches into his fifth serve his palm crossing paths with a meteor for just a moment, and when it makes contact with the earth on the other side of the court, 
inbounds. He opens his mouth and lets out the most victorious He's in the Karasuno gym. He didn't just lose to Oikawa, they lost to Aoba Josai yesterday. When he'd forgotten it happened long enough to sit up at his desk, he'd immediately been confronted with the inter-high bracket he'd been using as a pillow. Drool dribbled over the lines. He feels stupid. Tobio feels so stupid he doesn't know where to start. And so he started with hitting a ball against the wall in the gym over and over, until whatever he forfeited in his last toss of the match comes back. Except it doesn't. And now Hinata's running, kicking, and screaming across the wooden floor like something wild and it's too much. The sound is too much. There's too many balls in the fucking cart. And so Tobio's feet propel him to anywhere but the point where he's stuck standing and listening to too much, and he lets out a frustrated... He's in his Kitagawa Daichi uniform, number two. He's the only one on this side of the court, this side being the side of the split between him and the rest of his faceless teammates and their backs. People are in the stands, but they aren't watching him. His parents are in the stands, but they're turned around. The wooden boards of the gymnasium floor are broken and busted, and he smells, tastes something salty. It comes up before he can stop it, his mouth wrenched open before he could get a hand up to catch what isn't vomit. It's water. Water that spews between his fingers and he's choking, drowning. He's so horrified by the waterfall pouring out between his teeth that he doesn't even notice how the floor cracks and snaps under his feet until he's falling, still choking, still drowning. Just before he hits the waves below, he thinks of a net. No, a grid. Here, that could catch him. If he could call for the grid, it would catch him. But instead of words, there's more water. And he plunges into the black pool, creek, ocean running rampant under the gym floor. Maybe he could kick to the surface if his knee hadn't been ruined, and the crown wrapped tight around his head was not made of cement, but it's all he can do to keep his eyes open long enough to watch the wooden boards of the court rebuild themselves, taking the light with them. Tobio's limp before the final board is laid, and he sinks, sinks, sinks far into the dark depths below. You have one unheard message. Kageyama Senshu, this is Yamada Sensei's office in St. Luke's Memorial's Department of Orthopedics. In case you missed our call yesterday, this is a reminder that the results of your MRI are in and ready for you to review. Please call back when you get the chance. Thank you. Have a pleasant day. End of message. Tobio wakes up with his shirt doused in sweat and stuck to his back at a time on Wednesday. He doesn't know where his phone is and doesn't care to find it. 
but he also doesn't have a way of checking the time without it, unless he could manage to get so far as the kitchen and check the green numbers above his stove. Tobio doesn't feel well enough to make it as far as the kitchen stove, but also won't, can't, admit that he doesn't feel so good, opting instead to decide that he's felt worse as he reaches for his crutches. But it will be up to you to decide what's good news and what's bad news, alright? He gasps when it hits him, a hot knife through the crown of his skull again that curls around his spine, the worst headache he's had so far. So bad, it's not even a headache. It just burns white, and he sees double. Tobio's jaw hangs open, and just like in the dream, he doesn't scream. He should lay back down. He should take the painkillers. He should call for Miwa. Tobio stops himself. On a normal day, when he's up, he's up. On a normal day, he doesn't take a painkiller first thing in the morning or call for anyone to walk him through his most basic routines. He decided last night, this morning, between the two, today is going to be a normal day. You know that feeling you've probably had the last few days when you go to stand up? So normal that Tobio keeps his eyes squeezed shut as he uses what must be the whole of his strength to pull himself to his feet, foot, nearly knocking the empty water glass off the nightstand he uses for balance. He shifts his weight, back, forth, left, right, until he's sure he's right side up, aligned perpendicular to the floor. It takes forever to find this equilibrium, not that he can hear himself count the seconds when his ears are ringing. But Iwaizumi also said he might need more time to adjust, that's all. He's got another 11 days until he has to follow up about his head. He's adjusting. That's all. But I suspect the hit you suffered on Saturday, even when it really looked like nothing at the time, is what made Sundays that much worse. It's Wednesday, and like every other day of the week, Tobio has a routine he follows, even during off-season. Run, then shower, and then fix his nails. He's already adapting by deciding to skip the run, given his knee isn't strong enough yet, and how the only thing that takes him longer than the balancing is the actual moving from one room to the next. It's all angles and tough goings, navigating the drop between his rug and the bare wood floor, hoisting his crutches around the doorway, staying vertical. But he can usually go faster. He'll get better at it. For now, it's just whatever works whatever it takes to get into the shower, check, and fix his nails, check. When he gets to the bathroom, he turns on the lights. He does not look at himself in the mirror. Instead, Tobio lays his crutches out on the floor, lowers the toilet seat so he can sit on it in a way that would also let him drop his forehead onto the cool porcelain of the sink's countertop. He's crossed the mountain. He's made it this far. His stomach just needs to settle, that's all. He'll even adjust again. He'll go nails first, then shower. Kageyama, you were out for 12 seconds. A long 12 seconds. I timed it. The feeling he gets in his fingertips when his nails are too long used to be really worrisome for him, 
So much so, it really felt like something was trying to crawl out of his nail beds that he couldn't shake out. Aside from that, it also felt like the nail length affected how much control he could exert over the ball in practice. And so he told Kazuyo, who told him this counted as personal maintenance too, that he just needed to find a practical way to keep up with the feeling before it really started to get to him. Tobio did, and then he bought five versions of the same nail clippers and kept them in the exact same five places no matter where he lived for nearly twenty years. All this to say, when the overhead light is too oppressive, Tobio can reach into his medicine cabinet to grab the nail clipper and the file without picking his head up. He can also grab the hand towel hanging from the rack next to the sink to pull over his head. Practical. You're doing well today. That's great. But there's no telling what the next few months. Tobio can. He can take care of himself. If he can do this, he's on the right track, surely. Even if the snap of the clippers catches him off guard, even though he'd been the one to do the snapping. His nails are a little uneven. He can fix that. Maybe a year. He gets through three fingers on his left hand like this and doesn't vomit even when he really wants to before the bathroom door opens. Might look like for you. Tobio. Tobio huffs in response. Tobio. Miwa presses again. What? He retorts. She sounds like her arms are crossed, but Tobio has to focus. It's everything he can muster to line the trimmer to his nail and press down. With the towel over his head, all he can see is his left hand going double on the white countertop. What do you think you're doing? Miwa doesn't ask. I do this once a week, Tobio insists. Yeah, you did. Do, Tobio, come on. He hears the shuffling. The movement that happens when someone decidedly goes from standing to kneeling. Miwa's closer, and his chest tightens at the idea of being touched. What's this about? Asada had been a young prodigy. Then she announced her retirement. At least look at me. Maybe act like I'm here if you're not going to talk to me. Tobio can't. That's the problem. It's that bad. His head hurts that bad. Sitting under the lights burns that much. Clipping his own nails is now so hard he could scream, and he can't even scream because he doesn't know what will happen if he opens his mouth. He can't even move his head. Moving his eyes feels like a mistake. He's frozen. If you wanted your nails fixed, you're doing a shit job, Miwa says. And then suddenly there's another, smaller hand in his line of sight out of nowhere. Tobio recoils and something shouts between his mouth and each one of his individual cells. No, I'm doing it myself! Tobio finds that he doesn't recognize the voice he hears, and as he realizes it's his own, he yanks his hand away from where Miwa's own grip the edge of the counter. Her nails look better than his do right now. But, but, I have to do it myself. You really don't, she states, cool. I do. Tobio lines the next nail up with the clippers again. 
he trims his pointer finger much too short, hissing through his teeth. You have to let me do something for myself, Miwa. What happened? If I can do this now, I'll still be able to play. That's not how it works. Says who? You? Tobio spits, lining up the clippers again with trembling hands, pressing down too close to the nail bed with a click. He's not whispering now. What do you know? Would you stop already? Miwa's not whispering either, as she commands, begs. You're not acting like yourself. I won't be myself until I can play. That's the... the... That's his whole thing, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Here's the truth, as it's been decided. Miwa. Cruelty melts in to please again. He's always been demanding. I can't go back to school. I'm not smart enough to go back to school. Tobio, stop. And I'm bad at people. Talking, even. It's... It's... Everything's too hard now. But if... If I can do this, I can fix the grid. And if I can do that, I can play. And if he can play, he can be Kageyama again. It's that simple. I have to play again. I won't be anything until I can... Damn it! Just then, Tobio snips the skin, holding his right pointer finger's nail to its bed. And before he can say anything he'll regret, there's blood dripping down onto the white of the sink and a shock of pain throbbing in its wake. It's sick, looking at the slow slide of the red, going numb enough for Tobio to shut his mouth and just watch it happen. You happy now? Miwa huffs, reaching into his medicine cabinet, and then... Don't answer that. I know. She might say something after that. She might not. He'll need a bandage on his finger to stop the bleeding. And he hates this part, but he lets it happen. Even as his skin is crawling and it hurts, even the adhesive is painful. Right pointer finger wrapped, the silence hangs heavy as Miwa moves to put the little cardboard box back where it belongs, tossing whatever remnants into the waste bin. Your nails are half done, she says. Do you want me to fix them? No. But he also doesn't want to go back to bed like this. He can't bear the idea. Nails half done? He can't. He can't. Tobio? She's dipping under the towel to look at him. Miwa looks sick, too, he thinks. He knew, somehow, that she must have looked worried sick. Please talk to me. You gotta talk to me. Tobio opens his mouth takes in a shaky, shallow inhale, but a great, vast nothing comes out. Nothing's ready. He's too far behind. Please understand. Her mouth, her whole expression, crinkles into a frown. I don't understand what you're trying to say, says Miwa. He hopes she recognizes him, doesn't get him mixed up for a stranger, as he'd done to her. Tobio tries again. 
nothing. It'd be easier to cry. He might have some relief if he could cry about it. Anything's better than nothing. A sound could make up for all the words he's missing. Tobio doesn't so much as find a single word. The lights to the bathroom go out. I, uh, left my charger here yesterday. Tobio and Miwa both slowly look up towards the doorway. It's Hinata, standing where the light from the rest of the apartment can hang and halo his hair. Tobio can't read him. It's like he's seen a ghost. It's like he's looking at a ghost. If you need a hand, Kageyama-san, I can help. Try and fix his nails. No pun intended. <laughs> Miwa looks to Tobio, not that he looks back. No rolling away now, huh? No running, no hiding. Just shaky, shallow breaths. Can I help? He knows Hinata's asking him, specifically. Haven't you done enough already? He's really sorry, you know. Please understand. Rather than argue on behalf of his control and his dignity, he lets Miwa slide over on the tile to make room for Hinata on his knees. One takes the file, one takes the clippers, and together, both of them are deft and quick, efficient, functional. Tobio does his part by keeping himself very still and counting his inhales, exhales to more. You can tell me if I'm doing a bad job, Kageyama, Hinata tells him. After all, his right-hand nails have been clipped and three of his left-hand nails have been filed. I know you want to. The light from the hallway buzzes somewhere above him. The grate of the nail file scratches back and forth below. Tobio doesn't know what would fall out if he could unclench his jaw, if it would be words that might manage to navigate up and out of his throat, or a great, painful knot. I mean it, your thumbnail and your middle fingernail are two totally different shapes, and they're probably uneven on top. Hinata tries again, tries really hard to sound like he's cheerful or demanding. You hate that. You'd never let me get away with this, Kageyama. Come on. And he's not wrong. Kageyama would never let Hinata get away with ruining his nails. He wouldn't let anyone get away with ruining his nails because he wouldn't let anyone else do his nails for him. Never. Not when he could do it himself, exactly how he wanted it. And he managed it every time. Had always taken that responsibility as given as recognizing his hands, as being connected to his arms, being connected to his body. Tobio can't even manage having a body, and right now, no matter how hard he tries, something feels too removed to feel whole. Did everyone know before me? He asks, a quiver of a question. Please understand. What do you mean? Oikawa-san, and the team, and my parents, and you. Did you all know I might have to... What's the word? What's the word he means? Stop playing. No one knows for sure, Hinata says, too quickly. 
eyes darting up to catch Tobio, scowl, crumple, freeze. I mean it, no one really knows right now. But I do think they all just... A pause. Know what they saw. I'm not ready to stop playing, Tobio whispers. Maybe to Hinata, maybe to the sink. But between the two, it's Hinata whose breath hitches. Is that what Iwaizumi-san told you to think about? Before he left yesterday? Hinata whispers back. Miwa's hands stop moving, her eyes close shut. Retirement? Tobio nods his head, but his voice doesn't crack. I did everything right, and I'm still not ready. Hinata, however, looks like he's been cracked open, his brows fracturing angry lines across his forehead for just a second, there and then gone as he keeps working, moving on to file Tobio's right hand with due diligence. I'm not ready either, he says. I'm really not. I want to see the video, Tobio says at some point. If there's a replay, I want to see it. Hinata asks if he's sure, really sure, before obliging. The light of the screen is still a bit tough to look at, even with the brightness on the lowest setting, and hands his iPad off to Tobio. He asks if Tobio wants to watch it alone, and leaves when Tobio decides that he does. The video he's looking for is right there at the top of the search. Tobio the King Kageyama, Dangerous Save, Paris 2024 Qualification Tournament Pool B, but he's stopped by the thumbnail. It's a picture of him, but not? No, that's Kageyama, standing up getting ready to make a toss beside the net. He looks ready. He looks strong. Tobio stares at Kageyama, the volleyball player, for a moment, a few moments, before he goes back into the search bar and types in something else. Asasa Asada Mao, 2014, Olympic Long Program, Olympic Long Program, is enough, and Tobio clicks on the first video he sees. He's a little less confused now that he has a face to put the name to, the young woman doing slow, labored laps around the Sochi ice rink has a face he's seen in ads for just about everything, but instead of holding a face cream or chocolate bar with a smile, she's pensive, maybe, somewhere between thinking too much and tired of thinking at all. The commentators prattle on quickly about her silver medal in Vancouver four years prior, her disappointing short program the day before, the failure of her trademark jump shown in slow motion, a critical mistake all the way down to how she'd wrapped her ankles. Disastrous, they say, as the camera cuts back to the same tempered face, gliding to a stop and taking her starting position in the exact center of the great arena. Tobio recognizes this. Not the video itself, 
and nothing about what it physically represents, but the position unseen that Mao is in, the exhale through lips formed like a circle, and all it is that she has to do next. Tobio knows what it's like to stand and wait in the middle of the stadium and pray it'll be enough. When music starts, so do the jumps. Tobio doesn't know the next thing about figure skating or how it's supposed to look on an Olympic level, but there's power and grace in the way Mao moves and balance to them both. The announcers seem shocked after the first jump, triple axel, and the crowd's cheers grow louder and more confident and peak as she starts into a sort of dance sequence that flies with the swell of the music. It's good, he thinks. Not because of the music or the costumes or anything like that, but because she's free from everything that had weighed heavy on her sad, stroking steps at the start of the video, and she flies high enough to catch something she'll take with her once the clip is over. She is victorious before the song even ends, and when the music finally does stop, the crowd goes wild, and Mao's concentration crumbles into fat, smiling tears. The video comes to an end, and the queue readies up another link from the same Olympics. Tobio instead takes a deep breath and types something else into the search bar. Kageyama Tobio Paris Tournament Pool B. He clicks on the same thumbnail he'd avoided just a few minutes before and holds his breath as the browser loads. Tobio recognizes this video because he actually recognizes it. His fingertips prickle as the camera pans past a roaring crowd to show center court at Ariake Arena. Of the people he recognizes, he actually sees Iwaizumi first, arms crossed and fixed like stone, with some of the B-team members lined up beside him. Yaku's biting his nails, Hoshiyumi is bouncing back and forth between the balls of his feet. Everyone's on edge, though given what they're up against and what's at stake, what else is there to fear? Rallies against the Netherlands seemed to only get longer and longer as the game went on peaking in speed and length and power during the fourth set. The video looks like it should be playing to speed times two. Number four for the Netherlands starts with a vicious serve, received by Yakuzawa, set by Kageyama, spiked by Sakazasan, received by number seven, set by number twelve, spiked by number fifteen, received by Iko, set by Kageyama, spiked by Hinata, received again by number seven, set by number twelve. Spiked again by number 8, just as powerful as the first time. Ito makes the receive, but he's still recovering from the last rally, and it's too high. Kageyama is unfazed. He sprints towards the barriers, arms out to make the set back towards the team, and Tobio can tell, no, remembers, exactly where and when the grid snapped. Kageyama twists in the air to set the ball proper just before his foot catches on one of the barriers and he tumbles over it, bringing down the ball with a crash and a bang. As the Kageyama in the video caught his left foot on the barrier, toppling it over and taking his body down with it, the ball sails towards Hinata, whose hand connects for the spike as Kageyama's knee hits the gym floor, the ball making the point as Kageyama's head collides next. The rest of his teammates on the court 
don't even realize he's lying limp on the floor a few feet behind them, until a few shouts from the spectators tune sour, and everyone turns around to see that he's been rushed by their coach and their medical team. A whistle blows for a time out, and the court all but empties. All but one. Hinata stays on the court. It's Hinata, alone, on the court, static and still. Even as Atsumu and Sakusa turn away from the spectacle courtside towards him, frozen beside the net, the pan of the camera never shows his face. His back, perpetually to the camera even as the frames jump, is the only thing memorialized to this URL, along with a head of hair and the slumped heaving of his shoulders. Tobio doesn't need to be told what's happening, what's happened, what's been done. He knows exactly what Hinata must have looked like. <laughs>